You're listening to AM 1220 KDOW, and welcome to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with your host, Denise Eaton May. Denise is a former Human Resources Director and Assistant County Counsel who now practices employment law. She spent more than 10 years as a Deputy Attorney General handling public employee personnel matters. Now she shares her unique perspective with you, providing advice and dialogue for employers and employees as she tackles some of the common issues in the 21st century workplace. Now, here's your host, Attorney Denise Eaton-May. Good afternoon. Welcome to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. I'm your host, Denise Eaton-May, and you're listening to AM 1220 KDOW. Thank you for joining us today. I wanted to um, end our previous discussion regarding the changing terrain of uh, sexual harassment. I think we spent two sessions on that and uh, sort of understood that there is some significant exposure to liability for uh, employers who do not uh, certainly nip the uh, issue of sexual harassment uh, in the bud in a quick and timely fashion. Um, Today, I'd like to kind of revisit some issues that I've talked about before, uh, namely some wage and hour um, issues. I I still believe that uh, wage and hour lawsuits are the most significant workplace liability risk for the employer. And anytime you settle or even lose a wage and hour action, it could be very, very expensive and sometimes put people um, out of business. But there were a few things that I wanted to focus on in the wage and hour um, area. We've talked previously about the mechanism whereby some industries need to be able to pay their employees who are not able to take a regular meal and rest period. And we also talked about the exposure to to misclassifying workers and understanding the um, exemptions under the Fair Labor Standards Act in classifying your workers as well as doing the um, audits of your um, classifications at least once every three to five years. Today, I think I just want to focus on just a few things that I think are important not to forget about the meal and rest breaks. This came up because I had an employer who um, came into my office and has been audited by the labor commissioner concerning Um, the meal and rest periods that have been given to its employees. And this employer, of course, had never been uh, the victim of the sweep, that we call it, from the Department of Labor, and um, basically um, had pretty good records. I think it was very good in keeping records, but realized that there were some gaps that could be filled and um, working with him to try and get those gaps filled and ensure that there is compliance. And in looking at that, I felt that there were just maybe a few things that I'd like to talk about so that both employers and employees are aware of some of the things that are important. And these things are very easy to correct and maintain compliance so that you can reduce the exposure to liability and uh, litigation. And I think that that's really the goal um, of this show to try and ensure that you can avoid litigation where you can and stay in, in compliance and employees have a happy place to be able to work um, and spend all the hours that we do spend uh, at the work in this country. Again, you're listening to Denise Eaton-May. I'm your host today. I am an employment lawyer here in the Bay Area. 
If you ever have any questions concerning anything that we talk about on the show, please feel free to visit my website at www.demlegaleagle.com or send me an email at d.may at eaton-maylaw.com. So I think I wanted to sort of revisit a couple things regarding the meal and rest break requirements, and it's always a good reminder to know what those rules are. And we talked about the California Supreme Court ruling in Brinker's Restaurant Group versus Superior Court, where the court gave us some pretty groundbreaking uh, rules and clarification on how these labor code requirements for meal breaks and rest periods are to be um, implemented. So one of the things is that the California Supreme Court made clear in Brinker regarding the timing of the breaks is that the employers need to give an employee their first meal break no later than the end of an employee's fifth hour of work and a second meal period no later than the end of an employee's 10th hour of work. So, for example, if an employee commences work at 8 a.m., from 8 to 9 is their first hour, from 9 to 10 is their second hour, from 10 to 11 is their third hour, from 11 to 12 is their fourth hour, and from 12 to 1 would be their fifth hour. Under this law, for a meal break, that employee must take their meal break before the end of the fifth hour. So in terms of scheduling, you just want to make sure that based on the business need of the uh, business that you operate, that you have your hourly workers schedule their break before the fifth hour of the day. And that's really important. And we're going to get into those industries such as caregiving and photography and some other areas where you can't always guarantee that. But that's the general rule. And when you're unable to um, give them that break, then the repercussions of that is that you have to pay them uh, for that time that they've worked. Uh, But normally meal breaks are non-paid. You get a 30-minute or one hour, depending on the number of hours you work, unpaid meal break. Now, it also has to be duty-free, meaning that you cannot control um, what's going on. You can't eat at your desk. Um, you should be free to leave. Um, you should be able to um, have that particular break free from, from work. And that's something that's really important to, to the labor commissioner. And so they really try and um, make sure that you have that duty-free uh, meal break And we'll also talk about rest periods. The other thing to remember, which is very important, is that um, there should be some recording of the meal breaks that are being taken by the employees. So the employer should keep some kind of record of the um, lunch breaks that are being taken by the uh, employees because when the labor commissioner comes in, to look at your records, they're certainly going to look and say, okay, when did this person get a lunch? Was it within the um, fifth hour of their commencement of their workday? And there are some times when there are industries, such as the client that uh, came in, where you're not able to necessarily um, predict um, when the employee is taking a lunch. They may work off-site. 
they may be um, in the middle of a uh, photography shoot that went longer than anticipated. Um, there may be a, a caregiving situation where the caregiver uh, is unable to um, be free at the time that you're scheduled lunch because of a need of the client or patient that she or he is caring for. In those situations, um, certainly you try and prepare work agreements and work to um, put a procedure in to ensure that you are notified as the employer that the individual was unable to take a break. And whether you decide to do the break at a later period or pay them for that time frame, even if it is something they take but it's not duty-free, those are all part of the work agreements that you work with your employees to ensure that they get um, the, the meal period. But what's, what's most important is that you have a recording as the employer of those meal periods as much as possible. One client indicated that they will call the employee that's off-site and say, hey, it's time for your lunch break. Take your lunch break. You're off-duty right now. And, you know, the employee would then know that's the time that they need to, to take their, uh, their meal break. But if the employee doesn't take it, um, I think the, the next point that's very important is that you implement a procedure for the employee to notify you as the employer when they cannot take a break. Um, I think that's really important because if you have a policy and practice set up for taking these breaks, when they have to deviate, there should be some basis in which they would contact you um, or the employer uh, to ascertain, you know, why I can't take a break. Can you get someone to relieve that person? You know, is the press of business such that I can't take it? And that way you know that you will be required to take that or pay that employee for that period of time that they were not able to to take the break. But most importantly, I think, you know, if you have a policy in place where you require the employee to notify you in the event they're unable to take their break, then you are in a better position when you are audited by the labor commissioner or even a lawsuit that's brought by the employee at a later date saying they weren't able to take breaks because of the nature of the business or the press of business. You're in a better position as an employer to defend yourself, to say, okay, here's a policy, and this person either did or did not follow the policy. It's also important to the employee because the employee um, can then say, you know, I notified my employer that I'm unable to, to take it and there were no alternatives available to me. And so for so many days straight, I ended up working um, through my lunch break. So I think what's important is that when you're understanding the uh, meal breaks requirement in California, you understand the timing of the breaks. That seems to be uh, an issue that, that comes up, as well as the implementation of a procedure of when a person is not able, an employee is not able to take a um, meal break. Again, you're listening to Employment Solutions at your fingertips. I'm your host, Denise Eaton-May. I'm an employment lawyer here in the Bay Area, and we're discussing today a few things that I think California employers and employees should not forget about meal and rest breaks. If you need to reach me about anything that's discussed during this show, please feel free to send me an email at d.may at eaton-maylaw.com. You're listening to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with attorney Denise Eaton-May. If you have a question for Denise, call her law office in Hayward at 510-888-1345.
or visit her website at demlegaleagle.com. Now, back to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with attorney Denise Eaton-May. Welcome back to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. We're talking today about some California wage and hour uh, basics, and I'm focusing primarily on meal and rest breaks. I um, kind of talked about how we got some pretty good guidance from the California Supreme Court ruling a couple uh, years ago on the uh, Brinker Restaurant Group versus Superior Court. And in particular, we talked about the timing of the, the meal breaks. Um, that's something that's real important. And we clarify that you must give your um, employees, especially your hour employees, uh, a meal break no later than the end of the fifth hour of work if they work um, eight hours a day. And then a second meal if they um, are working 10 hours um, a day. Then I talked a little bit about making sure that you have a procedure in place for that when an employee is unable to take their uh, meal or rest period, that there is some mechanism where they can contact someone and let the employer know that due to the press of business, we're unable to um, be able to take the breaks. The third thing that I kind of reiterated was the fact that you need to keep records of the meal periods of the employees. It's very important that the employer has that because that's certainly what the um, labor commissioner, if they come and do an audit uh, of your business, is something that they're going to be be looking for. Let's talk a little bit about rest breaks. Um, You know, I think as for rest breaks, the court set forth that the employees are entitled to 10 minutes rest for shifts from three and one-half to six hours in length. 20 minutes for shifts of more than six hours up to 10 hours, and 30 minutes for shifts of more than 10 hours up to 14 hours. So, for example, an employee that works part-time and only works three and a half hours a day are not necessarily entitled to a 10-minute rest break. However, an employee who works three and a half hours to six hours would be entitled to one 10-minute rest break. Employees that work 6 to 10 hours are entitled to two 10-minute rest breaks. And employees that work 10 to 14 hours are entitled to three 10-minute rest breaks. Now, these um, rest breaks should be taken during the shift, and um, it should be, you know, duty-free and taken, you know, as the court has said, um, in the middle of the work periods in so far as practical. So a lot of times I have my clients or business clients that come in and say, you know, I have an employee that starts at 8, give them a 10-minute break from 10.15 to 10.20 or 10.30. Um, then they work until till noon, have a lunch break or meal period, and then they'll have another break in the afternoon around 3, 3.15 Um, for 10 or 15 minutes. So however you can stagger that, um, it's real important. Now, one of the things is that you don't have to keep the records of the um, meal breaks, but you need to know that you have not interfered with the ability of the employee as an employer 
to take the, the rest period. So it's kind of good and bad because if there's a complaint that I never got a chance to take my rest period, there is no, no necessarily any record of that. But I think if you have a custom and practice and protocol of, you know, encouraging and certainly informing your employees that they're entitled to take their, um, their break, uh, morning break or afternoon break, then I think it's less likely that uh, you you were to be held liable for for not authorizing or giving those breaks. Um, and if you can, you know, prudence is always good. You know, you can take uh, or make sure your payroll department um, keeps track of some of that. But like I said, it's not necessarily required by law. Um, what happens when individuals miss these uh, meal or or rest periods? So I think. It's important that you understand that the the remedy um, has been um, a citation from the Department of uh, Labor, the Labor Commissioner, with respect to correcting these um, potential violations or filing a complaint. Um, They do issue penalties, and um, you are able to try and uh, establish that, hey, I had a policy in place that let them know that if for some reason they could not take a break, they could uh, contact this supervisor or this particular um, uh, individual, and then we would make arrangements to either have them relieved or uh, some other type of mechanism. Um, But the main thing I think where I've seen the problem is when you're in an industry such as um, a caregiver uh, business or a photography business or even contracting where um, you're not able to necessarily um, have lunch at a appointed time every day um, or consistently every day. And most of my clients have um, been able to try and look at some type of um, waiver um, that they are not, the employee can sign to make sure that there is an agreement between the employee-employee that if you can't take it at this particular interval, that you are able to take it at uh, another time. And um, the employee can voluntarily choose not to take the break, and um, the employer can agree to pay them when they're unable to take the break and have them agree that the meal period uh, can be taken at a different time. So I think one of the issues that that clearly comes up is if you um, continue to exercise control over the employees during a meal period, that violates the duty to provide the meal period, and you'll be required to uh, compensate the employee for those hours that worked. Now, um, an employer that, you know, gives this duty free Uh, meal period, or what we call relinquishes control, um, but knows that the employee is performing work during the meal period, um, I think having this waiver in place certainly indicates that you've not violated the meal period obligations, and you don't necessarily um, owe any type of premium pay, but you will pay for the regular compensation 
uh, for that employee. So usually it's just their hourly wage. So if they're making $10 an hour, which, by the way, I believe is going to be the minimum wage coming up uh, soon, if not already. I think it's July 1, yeah. Um, so if they're making $10 an hour and they are looking to not be able to um, take their meal period um, as a result of the press of business or the nature of the business, um, then the employer should have it in their records that they will have to pay um, for that particular hour that we're unable to to take their breaks. Um, I think one of the challenges is 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 being able to determine when you meant to pay an employee for missed breaks and recording these um, payments. So if you have a system in place to um, basically record or at least understand if that employee has been able to take their lunch break within that five-hour period or you've got a work agreement where they consent to understand that they may not be able to take it during that period. I think the documentation is, is, is most important when you are getting a call from the uh, labor commissioner. And I think I've talked about it, how, you know, get knocked on the door and all of a sudden all of your records that uh, you need to be able to show to the labor commissioner must be produced. And if you have that practice of keeping those type of records, I think you're in a better position to satisfy any concerns that the labor commissioner will have when they're coming to to audit your business. And certainly, um, once they find that there may be some gaps in your record keeping in one area, that kind of pushes them to sort of look uh, in um, various different areas to see if there are any any other gaps um, in your record keeping or in the manner in which you run your business. Um, If you do have to pay an employee for not um, taking their break, it should be noted on the pay stub um, somehow or another or in your records um, because I think that is concrete evidence of your intent as an employer to to comply. And I think the employee uh, is going to expect that and have a right to receive compensation um, for the time that they're unable to have a duty-free Um, rest or, um, excuse me, a duty-free meal period. So I think the five things that are real important in understanding the uh, meal and rest breaks in California is that you you need to make sure that the uh, employee uh, has a meal break no later than the end of the employee's fifth hour, that the rest breaks um, for employees um, is 10 minutes, or shifts of three and one-half hours to six hours in length, 20 minutes for shifts of more than six hours up to 10 hours, and 30 minutes for 10 hours up to 14 hours. Um, You can have a uh, waiver of meal and rest breaks. Um, I think the rest breaks may be waived by employees as long as the employer properly authorizes and permits the employees to take the full 10-minute rest break at appropriate times. So you may not be able to give it at the designated time, say within the time that um, the labor commissioner or California laws may require, but as long as you're able to give them that break at some point in time, you're in compliance. Um, Making sure you keep records of the meal breaks as well as implementing a policy 
in which employees can contact an individual in your company in the event that they're unable to take their meal uh, or rest period. Again, you're listening to Employment Solutions at your fingertips. This this is your host, Denise Eaton-May. If you ever have any questions concerning anything we talk about on the show, please visit my website at www.demlegaleagle.com. And today we talked about the five things that I think uh, California employers should not forget about the meal and rest breaks and giving employees an understanding of their rights regarding meal and rest breaks. Again, this is your host, Denise Eaton-May, and you're listening to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. You've been listening to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with attorney Denise Eaton-May. If you have a question for Denise, call her law office in Hayward at 510-888-1345 or visit her website at demlegaleagle.com. And join us again next week at this time for Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips on AM 1220 KDOW.